Welcome to the show. Paul George here, right next to you, the world famous Adam Carr. Hello, Paul. How's it going, man? It's going extremely well. Do you know why? No. It's a national holiday today. Why is that? Your book comes out today. What? D- today? The actual day? Yes. I've kind of lost sight of days. <laughs> well, wake up, man. It's today. It's actually today on this. Congrats. Yeah, this day. And they this just day. declared it a national holiday. So. Oh, I didn't realize that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're calling it Rethink Day. <laughs> I love that, man. <laughs> yeah, well, we can talk more about that. So what's been going on with you? It's just a great time for the Conk family. We uh, found out we're expecting again. Wow, this is numero. Well, it's number seven on Earth, one Ocho. in heaven, so eight all eight pregnancies altogether. Ocho. Which I just have to hand it to my wife. Like she, she's superhero. Can you imagine being a woman and I look at you and say, "Look, one day you'll be pregnant eight plus times." <laughs> <laughs> like what kind of look you might she get? She probably wouldn't have married you. <laughs> but she's so joyful in her motherhood. Yeah, and her, she's awesome. And her wifery. Well, I tell people this all the time. Her wifery. When they ask me marriage advice, her I midwifery. Say, I say, you start with marrying an amazing woman. Yes. And really, after that, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> You'll figure it out. Because that was there. my plan. <laughs> Speaking of figuring out from there, we're going to talk a little bit today, actually, about marriage. What? And the art of marriage. And we're going to kind of get into some nuts and bolts, some content, some. Oh, my word. Nitty gritty, some. some some tough questions, I think, through the next series of, of the show. And hopefully it'll be good for people. Yeah. Uh, a few weeks ago, we did a show, if you want to look back on the archives, um, we did something on dating. And I've mm-hmm. actually gotten some feedback from a lot of people who are in the dating scene or not married, obviously, scene. And they it was really good for them. I you know didn't really think about it until I heard mm-hmm. their, their, um, their feedback. And... Well, can I embarrass you for a second? No, but go ahead. And you're not going to agree with anything I'm about to say. I don't get embarrassed. But it's 100% true. Easy. I'm going to turn it red. No. Your shirt's red, but that's it. Um, So my face matches. So, Paul, you're one of these people that live life well. Right. And if there's an aspect of your life that's not going great, Mm -hmm. you're not cool with that. Right. And you're going to make sure it goes great or you're going to die trying, right? So you're one of these people. Yeah. So the way you look at the world and marriage and dating is not like the rest of us. So what I find interesting is like, like the dating show or what we talk about today is that, you know, for you and, and it's just kind of like, well, yeah, this is how the world works, how dating works, you know? But for, for a lot of people out there, especially those that are, you know, trying to find a spouse or struggling in their marriage, like they just don't see life like that. And right. so it's just so helpful, I think, to to hear your perspective on how you see things where you might not think it's a big deal, but for a lot of people, like, earth shatter. Well, I spent a lot of time thinking about this. So that's why I wrote a book called Rethink. Because <laughs> when you rethink, you change your behavior, you change your view. And so that's that's the whole point. So I actually have two have you scenes today. So here's the first one. What did you say? That is so interesting. Oh, for real though? Okay, so have you seen this? And if you haven't, you are in, I don't know, religion uh, principal's office. <laughs> you specifically, not not you guys who are listening. Uh, so Pope Francis came out with a apostolic exhortation. Mm-hmm. Have you seen this? I have. Okay, I've read it. 
Do you know how to pronounce the 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 Latin or the Italian of it? Gaudete et exultate. There you go. Of the Holy Father Francis on the call to holiness. That's the English of it in today's world. Mm-hmm. So he came out with this, you know, apostolic exhortation, which is basically what would you call that? A a fancy homily. Fancy homily letter yeah. to the people. It's not an encyclical, mm-hmm. um, but it. You know, it's kind of a what you would almost say like a short version of an encyclical, sort mm-hmm. of this this meaty encyclical light, if you will, encyclical light, <laughs> meaty letter, uh, sort of this ex what well, is exhortation of like, hey guys, let's rally around this, mm-hmm. like I'm, I'm I want to motivate you to be about this, right? Yeah, um, and so it's a call of holiness. So, I, if you read the whole thing, it's, it's really good. Here, but here's what it's about. It's about our call to holiness. You're kidding. No. No, man. Dead <laughs> serious. Like, he hits his point. Wow. Which is impressive, because sometimes people title stuff certain things, and they don't actually talk about the thing that they titled it. You're right. I mean, this is this is 90% of the headlines. 90% of the headlines are book titles, and then you read it, you're like, you didn't talk anything about what the title is about. Yeah. But here's the thing. So if you're wondering... How or what Pope Francis is talking about in this apostolic exhortation, he's talking about how we're called to holiness. And now, I, where do you get this? You can search for it online. Mm-hmm. You can go to their website, vatican.va, and you can get the new letter. It's up there, and you can read it. It's free. Uh, it's for everyone. So you can down, download it or read it online, and it's good. Yeah. It might take you a while to read it, but... That's that, basically yeah. what it's about, and so he gives some points in what does it mean to be holy and to th- strive for holiness. As I was reading it, I had this sense of kind of being in Bishop Bergoglio's office maybe in Argentina, you know, 30 years ago or something, or 20 years ago, mm-hmm. and like this is the advice he would give me. You know, in other words, that these are principles on the spiritual life and holiness that he's not only lived by himself, but worked with people on and found effective. And for that reason, I found it refreshing because, I mean, he does have a very unique perspective. In a lot of ways, it's different than mine because he's from a different place, totally different church environment, that kind of stuff. But it's because it's different that it's challenging and refreshing at the same time because, you know, like he sees things differently than the way I would see them. Off, off the bat, and so to say, well, why did, why is he saying it that way, or how does he see it, is a great thing for me, you know, and I'm growing a lot from Pope Francis for that reason. Well, I think our call as Christians, as Catholics, the word meaning universal, we must see things through a wider lens than our own small little culture, mm-hmm. and he's got a worldview, and if he doesn't have a worldview, he doesn't need to be Pope, because the Pope's call is to see see the world, you know, through the lens of faith. And, you know, he comes from a certain culture as well, so it's going to have sort of his own blend and style. Um, but, you know, it's going to pass through the lenses, lenses of some pretty important people before it goes out to the world, mm-hmm. people who are a lot smarter than us, mm-hmm. I would think. I would Which hope. Which is most people. You know, they're at the Vatican on the hill. On, on the, the Vatican Hill. Hill. <laughs> so anyway, it's out there. So here's the second have you seen. What did you say? That is so interesting. Oh, for real though? So anyway, have you seen this? It's actually in your hand. I'm holding it. It smells brand new. Like a new book. Yeah. 
It's wonderful. It's kind of weird to actually... Rethink Happiness by Paul George. Jorge Posada. There that, it is. So, have found, you seen it? Founder of it. Adore Ministries. Mm-hmm. Forwarded by Matt Moore. Yeah, Matt Moore. The mm-hmm. Matt Moore? The Matt Moore. How did you land that one? Uh, he and I go way back. Way back? Yep, yep, yep. We've been friends for a long time. John Corney, the former kicker for the Saints. Yeah. Wrote a little excerpt in there. Nice. So, all you guys out there, buy the book. He says a lot about it. Yeah. It's out today. This is exciting. Yeah. So, what's going down at Acadian Religious? So, there's a signing book signing tomorrow on Saturday, the 27th. But the book's out. People can get it online. And Well, look, if I live in an igloo in Alaska and I'm listening to the show right now. It'll ship to you right now. Can you at least Facebook Live this book signing at some point? So I don't I know how watch? to do any of that. But... <laughs> I will talk about the book. So so the whole thing on happiness, obviously, is this is the question we're all asking, Adam. Mm. I want to be happy. I, don't, I haven't met a person on the planet that says, you know what, I want to be miserable when I grow up. Everyone wants to be happy, so we have to define what that is. And then the word rethink uh, in, in the Greek means conversion. So as we ask questions about life, this is the process of thinking. And then we rethink as we find the answers to those questions. So everybody's asking the questions. I want fulfillment. I want purpose. I want happiness. I want peace. I want joy. I want meaning. I want mission. We're all asking those questions. And as we think about them, we have this real process. But here's the thing. If you don't get the right answers to your questions, then you go the wrong direction. Yeah. And so the book's really about defining happiness, rethinking our questions, and finding the right direction and finding that happiness. Well, you know what I'm doing with your book? I haven't even told you this yet, but I'm getting several copies, and my family, especially ones that we normally don't have conversations about faith or life on a deeper level, yeah. we invite them to read it with me, and maybe we can get together for coffee. That'd be awesome. And just chat about it. It's a good book to personally read, study. they got questions. And uh, if you have a small group, a men's group, mm-hmm. a women's group, a parish group, you're launching small groups in your parish, get a cabillion. Um, give me some feedback. So anyway, it's out, and here it is. And uh, I'm just super excited about the impact that it can have on people. So you can get on Amazon, Ave Maria Press, Barnes & Nobles. You can get the, the online version or the hard copy, whatever all that does. So anyway, great being with you today, man. It's the Paul George Show. We'll be right back. God bless. The Paul George Show is made possible in part by our partners at Solidarity HealthShare. Solidarity is the Catholic solution to the healthcare problem. Are you paying too much for your healthcare cost? Solidarity HealthShare is a healthcare sharing ministry which provides an ethical way to fund healthcare costs while protecting and practicing our Catholic beliefs. Best yet, Solidarity HealthShare's members are exempt from the fines and penalties in the Affordable Care Act. Visit SolidarityHealthShare.org. That's SolidarityHealthShare.org. Welcome back to the show. Paul George here. Great to be with you and with Adam Conk. I'm, I'm here again. Right here, right Second now. Second segment, and I'm, I, I'm allowed to speak. This I actually, is crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like when you're not in the corner with a sad face. <laughs> I stay happy. Come on. Yeah, you really do. Like, you are, uh, how would I say, you're, you're a true optimist. Not Optimus Prime. Like the, no. You know, like Op- the. Optimus Secundo. Yeah, you're, 
the second optimist. You're a real optimist. I, I love I it. Am. You're all, you always have a solution. You're pretty happy about those, trying to figure it out. You're a problem solver, but you're happy in the process where some people are mad and angry in the process. I like that about you. Oh. It, it's good. It's a good quality. So <laughs> Thanks, Paul. Things are always good. So I've been traveling a lot. Things have been just crazy nuts. But um, interesting trip just recently is my wife and I actually left all the kids and went to Virginia. I wish we were going on vacation together, uh, but second best to that is we went together to lead a marriage retreat for the Diocese of Richmond, Virginia out there. Great weekend. Uh, it was just phenomenal to just connect with couples, spend some time with couples, couples who were going on a retreat, and Gretchen and I did all, all the presentations and stuff, the content for the weekend. Anyway, here's a lot of what I'm finding in my conversations with people is, you know, majority of adults I talk to are married. Uh, a lot of them are either struggling in their marriage or a component of their marriage or living what I would call or consider just a, a mediocre marriage, but not necessarily thriving. Mm -hmm. I think everybody wants to thrive in their vocation. You know, I haven't met anyone, and I say this often, but I'm making the point is anyone says, you know, when I get married, I want to have a miserable marriage or a mediocre marriage, or I want to end in divorce. I just want to be unhappy. Or when the kids leave, we are not going to know each other. Or, you know, we're going to have issues and we're going to sweep them under the rug. No one ever says that. They always go into marriage thinking, what I want is a great, happy marriage, right? But here's the reality for you as a married man, for me, for people who are listening. Here's what we know and what we need to acknowledge. Marriage is hard. And if you ever thought it was going to be easy then that was your first lie that you bought into, right? Because what you do is you take two imperfect people, which we all are, and hello, if you don't know that, look in the mirror and just tell yourself I'm imperfect because that's true. And then you marry an imperfect person. And if you haven't realized that, then you haven't, you've been living under a rock in your marriage because you married an imperfect person. So two imperfect people get married, and you have an imperfect marriage from the get-go. And that's okay, Right? But the whole goal of marriage is back to the exhortation from the Pope. Is in our vocation, we're actually called to holiness. Like our marriage is the very foundation, the very thing that catapults us into living a holy life, right? So if you would take a vase and it has cracks in it and the lights were out, you wouldn't see the cracks. You just see the vase. What marriage does is that it, it puts a flashlight on the vase and you see all the cracks in it. So when you get married, by the nature of marriage, a light shines on all your imperfections, right? Mm -hmm. And mine. That's what it does. So what ends up happening is either we wound each other more, we break each other more, we, we stay cracked. And the nature of marriage is to actually want to heal those broken cracks through the nature of, of the authentic love between the two, the man and the woman and God, right? Mm -hmm. This is why marriage is hard, because that's not an easy process. Yeah. Well, it requires something that is not promoted today, which is two things, I think, commitment and patience. Commitment in that, I don't know why, but even the best among us, when we go into any situation, we leave this out in our mind. Either literally, like, like in marriage, you know, divorce is not ideal, but it's not necessarily whatever, or... I can just check out anytime I want. Like right. I, I will be able to leave the house or the situation right. and not deal with it. We just go in with this ability to excuse ourselves yeah. 
And so we might stay married, but we're not actually committed to the marriage. Right. And then the patience to say, look, we're not going to solve everything this weekend right. or this talk. This is a marathon. <laughs> this is a marathon. But if I love you well today, then we are doing today what needs to be done to solve every problem. Yeah. You know, if we have a, you know, a backdoor escape route in our marriage, whether it be, you know, at the end of the day, if like, if this gets really bad, I'm out, right? Mm-hmm. I'm escaping, I'm leaving the marriage or a back route, escape route just to avoiding situations. Yeah. So like this hurts, this is bad. I don't want to deal with this conflict or this is, a, you know, I, so I'm just going to, I'm going to isolate myself. I'm going to pretend like the issue is not there. I'm going to, you know, cope with it in other ways. I'm going to stay away from the house. I'm going to drink. I'm going to, you know, you know, overexert in my work or my hobby. So I'm avoiding, I'm avoiding the confrontation that's really calling me to be better, but I don't know how to deal with the conversation with my spouse together. And so what we do is we just avoid it. And what I find oftentimes in dealing with even older couples is they've had this pattern for so long in their marriage, then, then the marriage is built around maybe the kids or that season of life. And then when the kids are gone, they look at each other and they say, we don't even know each other. Mm-hmm. And then they'll even make this comment. It's like, we don't even love each other. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that's true. Like, I think at the end of the day, like they really do. I just don't think they quote unquote, uh, as I move my fingers, feel in love. And so we're, you know, so much of our relationships are built on emotions and feelings and not to negate that we are emotional beings, right? But we're also mm-hmm. intellectual beings, mm-hmm. you know, we're body, soul, mind, emotion, all those things together. And if our relationships were simply built on emotion, everything would fail. Everything would fail, yep. right? So I didn't emotionally feel like coming to do the show today because I had other things. So I'm not showing up. So my commitment's done, right? Mm-hmm. So logic told me, commitment told me, no, go and do the show. Everything's fine. Like my commitment drove me here. Yeah. Right. And the logic there. And so emotions certainly needed at certain points cannot be the foundation Mm. of our relationships or even our life. I think you brought up such a key concept, which is truth in marriage. And I think there's an analogy. I try to encourage people all the time especially you know i do rcia right and and which is right christian initiation for adults right people people that want to become catholic coming into the into the faith and one and one of the issues invariably is this sense of shame or guilt about sin and about themselves and have just like a negative view of ourself and there's this difficulty to approach god because of such a negative view that we have and so one thing i just i like to remind people because it's helpful for me is Sin does not define who you are. The truth of who you are, God defines. Amen and you're that. awesome. And Amen okay, you sin. You sin now. You've sinned in the past. That is a distortion of who you are. That is, a, It's an aspect of your life. It's real. It's a problem. But it's not who you are. Right. And marriages, it seems like the same way. We can fall into this trap to say, look, we have an unhappy marriage, or we're working on it, or my spouse isn't quite there, but working on it. The truth is... You have an awesome marriage, whether or not you have problems or not. God has given you this gift. Of, you, you have a spouse that mm-hmm. is the only spouse that God wanted to give you. Right. Like, you have that. You always have so much more than you want in a marriage. And I think if you live in the truth of that and embrace the, the spouse God gave you, you, I think we find that we grow in happiness when we stop trying to fix the other person. Or maybe we'll get there one day and just realize, right now, I have something beautiful in my life. 
Yeah, and sometimes that's hard to see when you're in the midst of tension and brokenness and things just seem hard. Like you said, mm-hmm. it's a marathon. You know, we talked about a marathon. It's a long haul. That's what marriage is. You know, like if you think you're going to solve all your issues in the first year of marriage, like you're crazy <laughs> because we change as people too. And then we, we have other things that come up. Here's the power of marriage though, is that when we are able to love the other person authentically for who they are, that brings healing into that person's life. There's slow movement forward. Now, how do you forgive the fact that the other person is not perfect? How do you do that? <laughs> well, for me, it's easy to forgive because I just look at myself. And then I say, I'm just as broken. I'm just as Mm -hmm. imperfect. And so, um, and I want to be loved. I want someone to love me in my imperfection. Don't you? Doesn't everybody, Mm -hmm. right? I think what happens in marriage is we end up hurting each other more. We end up pointing fingers at imperfections. We end up pushing those buttons and those scars instead of being catalysts for healing in each other's lives. And so, so much early on in our marriage, you know, it was the pointing the fingers and like, hey, you, you know, this, this and this, figure it out. And what we've learned over the years is if I love that person authentically, despite their brokenness, healing begins to take place because mm-hmm. they, they, they're reminded of who they are, their identity mm-hmm. of who God made them to be. So if I'm, if I'm a lover, if I learn to love like God loves, then that brings healing in that person's life. And some of the greatest moments of real healing in my life or moving forward as a man and, and as a husband, as a father have been the, the times or seasons the the short times of the long haul where I have felt that my spouse was loving me, right. Mm-hmm. And accepting me in my brokenness. I'm not talking about my behavior. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm talking about in my brokenness. So now uh, my behavior is needs to change, you know? So like, I'm a workaholic and I'm avoiding the tension at home. Well, that behavior needs to change, Mm -hmm. you know? So it's not like, hey, I'm accepting the fact that you're a workaholic. No, I'm accepting the fact that what's driving you to be a workaholic. So I'm loving you there. And then what happens is behavior changes when we begin to feel loved and accepted for who we are. That's where people who struggle with addictions, right? Let me pause you there so you can elaborate because I think, a lot of times we treat behavioral changes that need to take place as simply, I need to try harder, do more, mm-hmm. I yeah. need whatever. Yeah. But there's 100% of the time something underlying that behavior that needs to be healed. Yeah. Right? Am, yeah. I, am I on the right track there? Yeah, you're absolutely on the right track. And I want to get more into this conversation maybe on another show, what, what I would call like our past or our family of origin, maybe even bring Gretchen onto the show to kind of have a more – you know, a different perspective and to speak into this. But if you were to say, Paul, what is one of the biggest hindrances for a young couple who's getting married, they're engaged, or a couple who's married and they're dealing with issues? I would say um, it's what we I would call your, your past or your family of origin, you know. And there was this statement that I wrote down that I heard that says your marriage, the starting point of your marriage, the starting point, so um, is – as happy, good, bad, or sad as your childhood. That's your starting point. And listen, for someone who came from divorce homes and a lot of brokenness, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be the one that's going to say that's about as true a statement as you can make. Mm-hmm. Okay. So maybe for someone who you came from a much better situation, you're like, I don't really get that. That's, fine. that's fair enough. But that statement is about as true as, as, as I can kind of come around, particularly in my own life, 
are working with other couples. That doesn't mean your marriage is going to fail. It means that's your starting point. And mm-hmm. when you realize it's your starting point and you can acknowledge what your starting point is and you can be open and honest about your starting point, that's when your patterns of behaviors can change because you're, you're owning and accepting and being loved and who you are. Want me to give you an example? Yeah. Okay, so here's a behavior. Behavior is, um, so I'm sharing this from a friend who's me. <laughs> I hate the holidays. Um, horrible in the holidays. Any my, holidays? My behavior changes around the holidays. Okay, so this really? is a pattern in my marriage. Not now, but like then. Like Christmas or like any holiday? Really holidays, but Christmas okay. because it's kind of this this whole really extravagant stressful stressful family yeah. kids when i didn't have a kids it didn't really matter once we started having kids so I, this behavior change i would get a little depressed around the holidays mm-hmm. this was all in connection with the fact that i grew up in a home a divorced family right and the nature around the holidays is just a lot of stress and tension yeah. you know for kids and um not to my parents fault it's just our situation it's my story and so as an adult married i get to the holidays and i'm having this these behavioral experiences that finally my wife's like, this is something's got to change. Right. And she was right, but I didn't know how to, and she mm-hmm. began to just love me in that, but I had to own it and accept it and begin to say, I really want to change that behavior. I don't want to be unhappy at the holidays. I want to be happy. I want my kids to know a happy dad at the holidays. But so it took time, prayer, patience, and some, some real thought to begin to move forward, to be healed in that behavior. Right. Mm-hmm. So my wife was like, just change your behavior. Yes, that needed to be changed, but also needed to understand that God loved me as that that kid who experienced a lot of brokenness around the holidays, and he mm. wanted to move me forward. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. So you can zoom in on any situation in your life from the past or any experience that you have. Those <clears throat> we bring into our marriage, mm-hmm. and they, they have impact on our marriage. And I'll go back to this. What a lot of couples do is you point fingers and you push people away mm-hmm. in their brokenness. What we're called to do is love each other authentically, and it brings each other closer. Because the whole goal of marriage is what? One word, unity. Yeah. For us to be unified, yeah. to love each other so much that, that we move each other forward together with God being at the center of that. Well, and this seems to me one of the most fatal things in, in good Catholic marriages today is that we have this disunity because we think our spouse is not capable of xyz like not able to participate well in the marriage because they have this problem this Mm -hmm. issue this disorder right but the reality is the unity comes from christ right like the unity is not based on our ability to be unified right but christ's ability to unify us right which knows no no limit so in reality i mean i could either look at my spouse who's awesome by the way and i could see only flaws if i wanted to sure even as awesome as she is, I right. can see only flaws. Right, because or, there's no perfect person. Or I could think I'm married to the most wonderful woman in the world. And I think right. every good husband thinks they're married to the most wonderful woman in the world because the one that they see is the gift that God gave us. That right. doesn't mean they're not honest about issues, right. but who they see every day is the gift that God gave them. Yeah, and honestly, if I could speak honest, most times that we point out the brokenness or the imperfections in others is coming out of our own insecurity. Mm-hmm. Hello? Mm-hmm. People just need to wake up to that reality. So I'd much rather look at your imperfections than my own. <laughs> and when we're doing that in our marriage, it might be a sign that we're just not looking at ourselves, or we're unhappy with ourselves, or we're not at peace, or we're experiencing some tension. And here's the reality, 
right? If we set the tone for this conversation, statistically speaking, um, people who live in a faithful marriage where God's at the center, they practice their faith fully, have a much less, um, statistically, a divorce rate, right? So you, you just go by the numbers. Well, why is that? Because what you said, marriage uh, at its essence has the ability only to love as Christ loved, right? So I can't love anyone perfectly, Adam. Like, honestly, neither can you because we're imperfect beings. But Christ can love someone perfectly through me, right? The ability to, to move me to love someone compassionately. In our marriages, uh, like, that's where we start to love. So when the gospel says, love your neighbor, well, who's your first neighbor? Like your spouse, like mm-hmm. I know it's, it's like that's when Jesus says in scripture, like love the stranger. Well, who's the first stranger you bring into your home? Actually your spouse. Mm-hmm. It's a person you didn't even know you met on a college campus or working and you brought in a stranger into your home. You're learning to love that stranger. So this is where Jesus is very course is, you know, start here in loving the way I love. But when I love imperfectly, Jesus can love through me in my imperfections. Absolutely. And people who learn to do that, they their marriages begin to thrive and they're not basing their love for the other person on things, on imperfections, on what people can do for me. But it takes a profound humility there, Paul, because I mean, any resentment we have to, toward our spouse is is pride. Now, we hurt Wait, we could deal with it, but I'm talking about resentment, meaning I'm not letting go because you are not perfect. Over time, I'm not letting this go, and I'm right. building up an anger. Right. It's total pride because we've made our marriage about us, but our marriage is a ministry of Jesus Christ. It's Amen. a sacrament. It's meant to bless the world and others. It's not about me. Boom. That is boom sauce right there, <laughs> because here's what I wanted to get into, and we're going to continue the conversation on other shows, is what I would call myths of marriage. And this is the first myth of marriage, and it's exactly what you said, is that most people get into marriage thinking, our marriage is about me and her or her and me. It's just about us. The reality is marriage is not intended that way. Marriage is first and foremost about Jesus. It's about God who, who sets, sets the whole foundation for us, that everything that marriage is about is about Christ sacrificial love for you and I and for our spouse and that that lays the foundation for our marriage so at the very beginning of Genesis God created man and woman right um, together um, that marriage exists to be a reflection of God's love to the world I mean that's what that's the vision of the vocation of marriage Mm. That two people love each other, and that reflects who God is to the world. And what's happening in our world today is marriages aren't doing that. So people statistically are opting out of even getting married. Yeah. Right? Yep. Yeah, and I mean, even within the church, you know, we have all kind of statistics that can get us depressed about marriage, whether it's contraception use or divorce rates or unhappy marriage statistics. It seems like we've lost sight of the truth is that God is faithful to marriages. Like, that's the truth. Yeah. Like, he is. Right. Today, Absolutely. 100% of the time, when God calls people to get married, he's going to be faithful to that couple. Right. Till forever. Yeah. 
Yeah. That's the truth. And everything about marriage is about Jesus' sacrifice for the marriage, like mm-hmm. giving himself to the marriage, dying on the cross, giving us the sacraments, the Eucharist, his love. And everything about that means that the spouse is sacrificial in their love for the other. And when you do that, that's when you find real purpose and meaning. Like, no one ever goes serve at a soup kitchen and be like, I didn't get anything out of that. Mm-hmm. No one ever goes on a mission and be like, yeah, that sucked. I help people. <laughs> we, we are made to sacrifice. We are made to have sacrificial love for the other. This is where it happens most tangibly in marriage. Sacrificial yeah. love for the other. And that's the whole meaning of marriage. When we do that, we get out of this idea that marriage is about me. Marriage is about me and him or me and her. Marriage is about filling my selfish needs. No, marriage is about giving of myself, and when we do that, we find true meaning. So anyway, this is a great conversation. I want to continue this um, as we move forward, um, but we're going to move on. It's Paul George Show. We'll be right back. God bless. The Paul George Show is made possible in part by our partners at Solidarity HealthShare. Solidarity is the Catholic solution to the health care problem. Are you paying too much for your health care cost? Solidarity HealthShare is a healthcare sharing ministry which provides an ethical way to fund healthcare costs while protecting and practicing our Catholic beliefs. Best yet, Solidarity HealthShare's members are exempt from the fines and penalties in the Affordable Care Act. Visit SolidarityHealthShare.org. That's SolidarityHealthShare.org. Welcome back to the show. Great to be with you, Paul George. I'm excited. I, I got a little short interview. Friend of mine, uh, Stephen Gilbert, living in Wisconsin. Stephen, how you doing, man? I'm doing great. Doing great. It's just cold up here. Yeah, it is, dude. Uh, it's really cold. That's why I live in the South. Now, here's the thing. On the last show, um, Adam and I were talking about, so I don't know if you read this, that statistically speaking, Lafayette, Louisiana is the most Catholic city in the country. It's a new article that came out, so 50%. And we were talking on the show how, you know, areas like this need to be sending people out to the world to preach the gospel. Now, Stephen Jobert, you are originally from Lafayette, Louisiana, and you're living in Wisconsin, serving as a youth minister and music director up there. How's it going? Uh, Pretty good, you know, I... I would have to say Lafayette spoiled me. <laughs> yes, it did. Uh, uh, you know, but uh, yeah, it, it, it's great. Um, I mean, you know, I've been uh, working at a church out here, and it's really cool. Um, it's great. It's actually, I'm kind of working for two parishes, so that's a new kind of thing. I'm kind of tossing between two locations, doing youth ministry and stuff, and in the midst of all that, also working on a new music project and stuff so it's been pretty crazy that's so great so steven's from our area i wanted to bring you on you're doing great work out there you travel and do music but you're working as a parish or as a missionary youth minister you recently married you know in the last year so it's been a great year for you guys um but i did want to get into this you got a project coming up you're coming up with a new album um and, and music project so tell me a little bit about it so it's a it's a six song EP um, and it's it's very southern sounding. Um, so it's like yeah, I guess it's kind of one of those things like once you remove yourself from the, you know, from the south, you like you know 
once you don't have it, you miss it or something. I don't know. But so it's uh, the six song project called Pride and Joy. Yep. And um, it's kind of it's broken up into two parts. The first three songs are kind of about pride and the results of pride and um, and how, you know, pride kind of robs us of um, the life we're supposed to live. And and then joy is the the joyful part <laughs> you yeah. know um yeah I, you sent happens. me the cover to the album and you actually sent me some of the the files to listen to the to the songs and they're really really good bro really good oh, thank you so much yeah. thank you so much i'm sure you're excited uh about the project and i'm excited because you're from this area and you know you're doing this around so how can people help you or get behind the project for you yeah, so if you go to prideandjoyep.com, okay. um, you can actually help be a backer on the project. And, and it might sound funny if you've heard some of the songs, you might be like, well, what do you need backers for? Well, the we're actually doing a lot more than just music for this project. We're doing um, a lot of like behind the songs kind of videos and things. Uh, we want to do like lots of lyric videos, and we're working on um, a little like... Uh, I guess like little essay, a kind of reflection book kind right. of thing sure. um, to kind of go with it to really kind of give you a full experience of just everything that's in these songs. Um, Cause I really feel like kind of working through it um, and working on the lyrics and things that we really jam packed a lot of stuff. <laughs> you know, there's, you know, references from, you know, like Dante's purgatory and there's references for, I don't know, there's uh, scripture references and just lots of different, very authentically Catholic things, in my opinion. Just jam um, it in I there, think, man. Jam it right yeah, yeah. in there. <laughs> jam it in there, but in a but in an artistic, creative way that makes sense. <laughs> I love it, bro. You know, not just... This is exciting. So tell me the website again. So prideandjoyep.com. Awesome, which is great, man. So we can get behind your project, help you get this album out, and it sounds really good. Can people listen to parts of the song on the website? Um, or will not be yet. Able we're to? actually we're we're about to pr- put up a little promo video for the I guess like the main like tag song for the record called Stand. Um, we're putting up a little promo for that, and we'll hopefully be coming out with a lyric video for that very shortly. <laughs> so, awesome, man! Um, that'll be up there soon, so it'll be really cool. So good, bro. So good with Stephen Jobert. Thanks for doing all your work, man. We'll talk to you again. All right, well, thank you so much for having me, Paul. I appreciate it, and thank you for what you do. All right, buddy. God bless. Dude, that was a cool conversation with Steven. Yeah, I love cool musicians. Steven's well, one of I them. Mean, I wanted to do that, honestly, like just always thinking about trying to think about people and what they're doing and what their needs are. You know, if you listen to the last show, if you didn't, you can go back. And we talked about, you know, how we have a responsibility to kind of be missionaries out in the world and, yeah. you know, our area. And Steven's from our hometown. And doing work out there, so I thought it was would be cool to. And I think I think he will travel. Get behind his project if if you want him to come do some music at your parish or something. And a musico. He will travel. Exhortation. That's beautiful. Midwifery. Paul. Oh my gosh! You have to listen to all the shows to get all the inside the references. Jokes. Yeah. Yeah. So Join anyway, the club. binge listen. How about six pack of questions? Question. All right, this is a special edition, book release edition Booyah. of the Six Pack. Just remind everybody, if you didn't hear already, Paul's book is out today, baby. Rethink happiness. Rethink happiness. Type it in. Dare to embrace God. Put it in your cart. True joy. Share it with the world. Change the world. Change the world. So this is the uh, 
the edition. So question number one. Yay. Who gets the first copy of your book? Did well, you do this already? Like, who got it? Yeah, so as the author, kind of inside story is they give you a few free books. And the, you just kept it for yourself? Or did the you publisher give it to does. So, um, no. So, I, so the first versions of the book went to my wife, Gretchen, and then each of my kids got one, five kids. And then I sent one to my mom, dad, and sister. Wow. So free ones. And then... And then I didn't have many free ones there left. So then everyone I give away for free actually cost me money Aww. from then on out. Paul. So then I'm not doing it. <laughs> you got <laughs> to right. buy them from here on out. Got to buy them. All yeah. right. Question number two. You have a lot of impressive people that have commented on the book here. Who are you impressed by? I mean, pretty much all of them. There's Matt Moore wrote the forward. I mean... I imagine in the book world, it's hard to convince anybody who's really busy to sit down and write a forward. Yes, it, it took some time to get it from people, but I really appreciate the people who, who endorsed it and Matt for writing the forward because that has to be a little bit longer. And he did a great yeah. job on it. Yeah, and Bishop Sam Jacobs, Leodoro, Mark Hart. I mean, lots and lots. So your question is, how hard was it to coordinate all that with all these extremely busy people? Um, that was the easiest part of writing the book. Really? Yeah. Writing the book was much harder. Huh. But it was a time crunch. Hey, you know, like the publisher's like, hey, can you get those endorsements in? I'm like, uh, I'm kind of waiting. And then some people didn't get them in in time. And so they didn't get in the book. Mm. So the publisher didn't like hold off. They had to do what they got to do. Was it people like, like I Dom can't Donald say. Trump? Yes. It was the Pope. He just couldn't. You know, such a procrastinator. Such a procrastinator. <laughs> he was writing exhortations. Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe he'll drop your name in the next one, next exhortation. You never or know. Something. You never know. Question number three. So you have ten beautiful chapters in here, mm -hmm. plus an introduction. Yeah. Um, do you have a favorite chapter? Ooh, one in ten. Like, if in other words, mm -hmm. if you only had one, one chapter ten. to give somebody, one and ten. Yeah, the bookends to me, like. And then the meets in between. But I would say, like, if you feel, like, sort of, like, in the middle, you're like, ah, that chapter wasn't for me. Don't worry. Like, keep going. There's going to be something for you. Because I was reading some of the later chapters as a reminder. I was like, oh, wow. Like, I need to listen to this. So, so anyway, I don't know if I'll pick a favorite, but. Mm -hmm. All right. Question number four. Yeah. What part of your book are you most nervous about uh, people reading? Ooh. Like maybe it's a little too personal or maybe... There's some personal stories in there yeah. that like family members are, might be like, I didn't <laughs> remember it that way. What are you thinking, Paul? <laughs> I didn't remember it that way. And you know what? When you're, when, you, when you're writing, I didn't want it to be a book that I just wrote as information. Right. And people felt like I was disconnected from the information. So I can't write about rethinking happiness and daring to embrace God's daring to embrace God and experience true joy without being personal. Yeah. You know, and like, so I think through some of the personal stories, it invites the reader just to be honest with themselves. And so there's some stories in there that I'm, I'm honest about or things from my past or things that I did or mistakes that I made. And I'm not ashamed of that uh, in a sense of like where I am now, but people might read it and be like, <laughs> I didn't, I, I've had people read pre-versions and be like, I didn't know that about you. Mm -hmm. And then there might be, people who are like, I don't remember the story that way. You know, I don't know. <laughs> so, All right, but I, I've, I've kind of, I've kind of moved past that. Yeah. 
Well, it's too late now. Yeah, it's too late It's now. out there. It's printed. So question number five. So you've done it, man. Like you've gone through the author process yep. with the publishing company, yep. with everything that involves. Mm-hmm. So if you could go back in time, or, or let's say for your, let's say there's a next project. One piece of advice you can give yourself if well, I the, went the back, the main in time, thing you're going to learn, it would be ni- process. It would be an eighth, ninth, and tenth grade student. Yeah, pay attention <laughs> to English class. <laughs> That's what I would go back to. <laughs> I failed tenth grade English. Is that right? Yeah, I made an F. Well, you should maybe give the, freshman. Send your teacher a copy, Mr. Of this Parker. Say, if you're out there, I don't know how to get to you, but you would probably be having a heart attack if you knew <laughs> I wrote a book. <laughs> send him a copy, man. Yeah. What was his name? Mr. Parker. Mr. Parker. Poor guy. All right, if you're out there, give us a call, Mr. Parker. Yeah, I love you, man. Sorry about all the headache I gave you. All right, question number six. Last question. Yep. What did you leave out? What, as you get your copy and you're reading, you're like, oh, I could have said this. Yeah, and that's probably one of the things, like when you're finished with a project, you go back and you're like, ah, I should have put this in. I I wish I would have put that in. There's been some stories since that you can't go back and put in. There's right. been some, maybe some more research I've done on this topic that I, oh man, that would have been a good sort of nugget in the book. But I think at the end of the day, like I'm fine with where it is because I feel like where it left off really has given me um, the starting point for the next book mm-hmm. and where I want to take myself and people for the next book. So, in that, that's where I kind of left it. So to be continued. Yeah. So let me know what you guys think as you read it. I really appreciate it. Get it and share it with people. And like Adam said, it could be conversational starters with people who maybe aren't into their faith. So, you know, I've encouraged you to get, get them for those. Start in your small group discussions or parish or whatever. So thanks so much. You can find out information. Get the book on Amazon or uh, on PaulGeorge.LA. DiscoverTheArtOfLiving.com. And just appreciate it. So great show, man. Thanks for all you're doing. Paul George Show. Be back next week. God bless.